Welcome to the Bridge Builder Program, an initiative of the Minnesota Catholic Conference where we help you live your faith in the public arena. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and joining me in studio is our producer and Minnesota Catholic Conference Communications Manager, Kit Cross. Hey, Kit. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you're having a very blessed day. You can catch us right here on your favorite Catholic radio station each week at the same time. But if you miss an episode or want to catch up on past episodes, just visit us at mncatholic.org slash podcast. Again, that's mncatholic.org slash podcast. Or find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Each week we bring you great interviews on some of the major issues impacting how we live our faith and public life. We also answer your questions in our mailbag segment, and you can email those to us at show at mncatholic.org or contact us on social media. And it wouldn't be the bridge builder if we didn't provide you with practical ways that you can start building a bridge between faith and public life. That's our bricklayer segment. Well, it seems there's growing conversation about how the church can engage the secular culture, um, not only just the secular culture, but a growing resurgence of uh, socialism, Marxism, all sorts of new tendencies uh, that we thought were good and gone uh, with the fall of the Berlin Wall. They seem to be back. One thinker who dealt extensively with these issues and these matters, who's coming back uh, into an English-speaking audience, uh, thanks to uh, the work of our guest today, is Augusto Del Noce. He grew up in Italy, which between the two world wars was one of the centers of secular and anti-fascist culture. His studies of modern rationalism reflected a broader interest in the relationship between Catholic thought and culture generally. He wrote a lot about secularization, uh, the church's engagement with secularization and modern thought, and is now coming into a broader English-speaking audience with the work of his translator and our guest today, Dr. Carlo Lancelotti, who is with us to talk us more about the enduring character of Del Noce's thought and why he is relevant for us today. Dr. Lancelotti is professor of mathematics at the College of Staten Island and is chair of the mathematics department there. Not only is he a brilliant mathematician, but he is also Del Noce's English-speaking translator. Uh, Dr. Lancelotti, welcome to the Bridge Builder Program. We're so glad you're on the show today. Uh, thank you very much. Tell us how you came to know the work of Augusto Del Noce. Well, I mean, Del Noce is famous in Italy. I was introduced to him by my teachers in high school, I believe, yes. You were a professor of mathematics, so what compelled you to spend your time translating Del Noce's work into English? Are there particular ideas or themes that really stood out to you or that you thought English, an English-speaking audience needed to know? Well, you know, I mean, I've been living in the U.S. for now 30 years, and I've noticed a certain trends that, to some extent, repeat things that happened in Europe earlier and that Del Noce discussed. And sometimes people here are new to them, and so they are maybe confused. And so I thought Del Noce could help. What might some of those trends be that you're seeing in, in the discourse here, or things that are playing out here that Del Noce commented on in I Europe? Mean, Del Noce commented a lot on, for example, the sexual revolution, secularization, the decline of organized religion, the influence of Marxism, that those were his topics. Did he, was there a certain thread or idea that bound a lot of these modern developments together into one thing, or did he just see them as different manifestations of the same spirit, or did he tie the thread together, for example, between Marxism and the sexual revolution? Uh, yeah, absolutely. He, he was a big advocate of the idea that Marxism 
as a broader influence than just communism as a political movement, because he thought that really Marxism was a philosophy that arrived at certain conclusions that one can also reach independently. So um, may, they may pop up again, so to speak. How did uh, uh, Del Noche understand Marxism? I think the, the, one of the reasons that it's getting a new hearing today is precisely because PA people, younger people especially, don't have an experience with the history of Marxism and communism around the world. But it's also, it seems to be an attractive thought in a, in a culture that prizes equality. Uh, Marxism seems to be really compelling. What, how did Del Noche understand the, the main currents of Marxism? Well, um, you know, Del Noche himself was tempted as a young Catholic after World War II by a synthesis of Christianity and Marxism. But by studying Marx, he came to the conclusion that Marxism is radically atheistic and materialistic. And so he concluded that this is actually impossible because uh, he, he realized that Marxism proposes a completely different idea of humanity than a Christian idea, an idea in which we create ourselves through our work. The Marxist man is what he calls the social man. The man is completely produced by society and is not interested in the truth. He's interested in production. He's interested in manipulation of reality. So this is a completely different idea. So, so much so that in Marxism, the revolution is not the fruit of a moral effort to bring justice to the world. In Marxism, the revolution is just the necessary outcome of history, science, technology, and all these things. So he thought that Marxism was incompatible with Christianity. How did he believe that the Church and Catholic thought in particular most effectively engaged this vision of history? Well, I mean, he thought that one should point to Marxists that they are going to get the opposite of what they intend. That was one of his big ideas. He used a fancy philosophical term he called heterogeneous of ends. You could call it unintended consequences. I mean, he, for example, he argued that Marxism, by, by calling into question authority, by calling into question God, by calling into question um, objective moral values, actually aided the expansion of capitalism. I mean, he, near the end of his life, he argued that Marxism in Europe was a transitory stage from a more Christian kind of capitalist to a more atheistic materialistic kind of capitalism, and the way Marxism aided, helped this, was by calling into question religion, by calling into question the family, by calling into question the churches, by calling into question ethics, by, by, by calling into question all of this, Marxism was able to do a destructive work that opened the way to a more radical form of capitalism. Today we talk about, and uh pejoratively use the term woke capitalism, the alignment of capital and business with very progressive or atheistic social values. Is that yeah. kind of a manifestation of what Del Noche was referring to? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Del Noche was very prophetic in that sense, because um, already in the 60s, in front of the initial manifestation of the sexual revolutions, he pointed out that it was perfectly compatible with more consumption, with more a more bourgeois approach to life, a more materialistic approach to life. That there was no conflict. That in fact, the sexual revolution was kind of manufactured also by market forces. Much of Del Noche's work seems to be in commentary on the engagement of Catholic thought and secular culture. 
But today it seems that there are fewer and fewer points of engagement between Catholic thought and secular culture. It's almost as though they're two separate epistemological thought worlds. Are there bridges between them that can be built today? How do we engage uh, rationally uh, secular thought and culture? Is there a bridge for dialogue between the two, or are they moving in different directions? Well, I think there is, but one has to understand that the trajectory of secular culture has been a way from what you did not call secularized Christianity. Like in the 19th century, in the early 20th century, even secular culture accepted uh, without objection the Ten Commandments, so to speak, or I mean, a, a generally Christian sense of, the, of marriage, for example. If you read the secular authors of the 19th century, Hegel, all those Germans and French guys, they didn't question marriage, for example, even when they're no longer Christian. So there was kind of an old secularism that really denied God as unnecessary, but implicitly accepted the Christian moral code. Now, this is no longer the case, so it's no longer possible to find common ground on morality. What the Noche would say is that, as I was uh, kind of hinting before, one has to look at the more positive, generous impulses in secularism, like, for example, protection of the environment, like the Pope talks about, or um, attempt to eliminate inequality. These are the things that a Christian can appreciate. But then one has to point to the secularists that, based on their own assumptions, they're not going to make progress. <laughs> so really, all these things imply a certain idea of man, which is not the Marxist or secular idea of man. For instance, justice. What does justice mean from a purely materialistic secular perspective? One hears uh, on the extremes of both political left, but also in some instances on the political political right, that notions of civility, rationality, um, these are just uh, tools of oppression and the patriarchy to stamp down the, the populist revolts that uh, emerge on both extremes of the political mm -hmm. on the political aisle. Um, Del Noche talked about something called the anti-Platonic spirit in modern life. Uh, do you see that emerging in these sorts of themes and ideas? Um, can you dive into what he meant by that a little bit more? Well, um, I would say two things. One is that when he talks about anti-Platonic spirit, he's really talking about Marx and, to some extent, Nietzsche, to the extent that modern thought denies that there is invisible, ideal, symbolic realities, like we take marriage. Is a man and does the complementary of man and woman, male and female, point to some great general symbolic idea, you know, could be the Christ and the church. I mean, in every culture, the unity of male and female was given some kind of symbolic ideal sense. Now, this is no longer the case. I mean, male and female are just two individuals. They could be male and male, female and female. We know that all the push for uh, same-sex marriage. The Noche thought that behind this kind of uh, flattening, uh, there, is a, there, is a, there, is a, there is a denial that there is symbolic value, that things have symbolic value that refer to invisible realities like, uh, uh, I don't know, as I said, the Church and Christ, or um, all the theological realities that are manifested in symbols. That's the anti-Platonic aspect. I can make another comment. The Noja thought that the consequence of this, which you can don't mention with wokeness, is what they call the totalitarian impulse. 
because if there, if, if there is not a platonic logos, if we don't share in a universal reason, we cannot really talk to each other, right? I mean, in, in, to, to talk to each other, we need to kind of recognize in each other that we share in the same rationality. Well, in the modern world, there is always, say, the rationality of the bourgeois and the rationality of the proletarian, the rationality of the Aryan, the rationality of the Jews, the rationality of the woke, and the rationality of the bigots. The, 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 in, in modern secular culture tends to deny that there is a common rationality, and rationality is just a tool for power. And then there is always the good guys and the bad guys. Does, does that make sense? Yes, so there's just competing narratives, but no overarching discourse. Exactly. There, are, there are competing narratives, and one narrative can only squash the other, so to speak. It, it turns ultimately into a struggle of power. It turns into a struggle of power in which one side denies that the other one belongs to the sphere of rationality at all. And so the other side is just to be destroyed. Well, what better diagnosis of our uh, the trends in our political culture today than uh, just what you described? We're speaking with Dr. Carlo Lancelotti. He's a professor of mathematics at the College of Staten Island, but also the translator into English of the great philosopher Augusto del Noce, who commented about uh, the intersection of Catholic thought and secular culture, and especially Marxism as well. Dr. Lancelotti, picking up on those themes, is it the anti-Platonic spirit denies that things have natures or essences? Is that another way to describe that? Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, that's another thing that the Noce emphasizes in, in Marxism as a philosophy. Marx was the first philosopher who denied that there is a human nature. I mean, you, you, you can read something that the Noce writes on that, but uh, because essentially, according to Marx, we are what we make ourselves. We create ourselves through our work, through our technology, through our science, but there is no given nature. Nature is not given. It's what we make. In, in modern American academic language, it's all a construct. You know, we, even our gender is a construct, and, and, and everything is constructed socially through social interaction by us. So it's kind of, a, in a sense, a deeper uh, denial of... Um, religion than, say, the traditional atheist of, say, the French Enlightenment. Because the traditional atheist would accept that there is truth. And we say that there is no God, but that's the truth. Instead, from a radical Marxist perspective, according to Del Noce, truth is what we make. It, it seems to me that reading Pope Francis's encyclical Laudato Si, which is a lot, about a lot more than simply climate change, that this is the right response at the right time to this moment. And in terms of the denial of nature, that we sim- that all of creation is simply raw material that we can manipulate at Absolutely. will, and it has no essence, it has no structure, it has no order, it has no natural purposes or limitations. Uh, do you see that Pope Francis's encyclical is really... Um, a very fine, uh, despite its sprawling character, um, a very concise antidote to this uh, dynamic that you're describing. Yeah, no, definitely. The Pope has a very clear sense of uh, the fact that, you know, there is a deep religious subtext to this uh, kind of technocratic claim, so to speak, to the claim that we can dominate everything and mold it in our own image. Uh, He certainly gets it. What other lines of thought or themes in Del Noche's work should uh, people not familiar with him know or understand or, or consider? What, what will they discover upon reading Del Noche for the first time? Well, I mean, let me first of all give you a general one. Del Noche is very profound and very interesting, but it's not always easy to read. 
but uh, he's very rich. I mean, as I said, one theme that is interesting to me is the theme of authority, for example. It, it talks about the fact that authority is what uh, generates us, what makes us grow. And so the, the symbol of authority are the parents, because the parents is what give us life, in, in a sense. And But it makes the opposition that, again, in this modern post-Marxist perspective, there is only power. And, and so you can look at the modern world as kind of authority as this loving embrace is replaced by power across the board. That, that's a typical Del Nochean theme. Mm-hmm. Is, Di- is Del Noche more of a diagnostician, or does he perhaps uh, point us uh, a path forward as well? Well, I think he was more of a diagnostician. I mean, he, at, and at the end of his life, not, uh, not right at the end, but like when he, in, in the 70s, when he was in, in his 60s, he was rather pessimistic. Some of his pieces, if you read them today, he was pessimistic, but some of his pessimism was prophetic. I mean, he, he says explicitly that what is needed is a religious revival, meaning that we have to rediscover that symbolic, uh, the, the, religious, the, religious, the, the symbolic and religious dimension of life. If that's not discovered, philosophy by itself cannot really help. Did he comment about how the church can rekindle that religious sense? Well, he was a big fan of uh, John Paul II, for sure. I think exactly for that reason. Um, but uh, what I translated there is not a lot of is more Catholic writings. He was a serious Catholic, and he followed the church developments very closely. But for a number of reasons, trying to appeal to a wider audience, I, I translated his more secular writings on secularization, etc. If Del Noche were alive today, uh, seeing the resurgence of thoughts and trends and social movements that were once thought uh, part of the end, <laughs> that history had ended in many ways, what would he, what would he say? Do you think, or what would be some of the main uh, themes or phenomena on which he would comment? Well, I, I think that he would be very skeptical of the idea that history had ended, in fact. Recently, I don't know if you saw it in Church Life Journal, I published the last piece he wrote. He died exactly 30 years ago, so for the 30th I translated this piece in which he basically says flat out that culturally, Marxism has won. (laughs) Now, if you look at a lot of Catholics today, they often think that the problem is just liberalism. Right? There is a lot of talk about liberalism. Eldenocha would say that liberalism itself, to some extent, has been conquered by more radically atheistic and nihilistic ideas that can some of them be traced to Marx or to other authors, but at least Catholics should be aware of this, that what is, not, what is in question is not just liberalism. There is this trend that came, they kind of blossomed in Europe, they, they, grew, they exploded in Europe before, and now they're more present in the States. Now, these are things that cannot be changed overnight, but one should at least be aware of them. If our listeners wanted uh, one place to start uh, with Del Noche's work, where would you point them? Is it one particular book or one particular article? Well, the options are in English are limited. Um, I mean, Del Noche for many years was not translated. I know there is a, what I call a chicken-egg problem. Mm-hmm. If you're not known, nobody translates you. If nobody translates you, nobody knows you. So that's why I was trying. I thought it was a good thing to do. Indeed, but, indeed. But and thank you for that. But I translated. I translated two volumes of essays. 
The first volume is an anthology which I compiled called The Crisis of Modernity, and I think it's a good starting point. And inside the book, I would recommend reading the introduction I wrote as an orientation, because if one goes, delves straight into the notion, he's a, in many ways a rich but complicated writer, so it's good to get oriented with an introduction, and then being an anthology, one can jump around and pick stuff. The second volume is, a, is a also a collection of essays, but a collection of essays that he himself assembled back in 1970. I translated it as it is, and for that reason, it also includes some essays that are a little bit dated, you know, I mean, they're just something that maybe I would not have included today, but that would be the second choice. I also wrote an article in the theological journal Comunio on the Noche and totalitarianism back in 2015. That can also be used as an introduction. Excellent. And we will post as much of that as we can in links on our show page at mncatholic.org slash podcast. We've been speaking today with Carlo Lancelotti. He's a professor of mathematics at the College of Staten Island, but is also translating the work of the very famous Italian thinker Augusto Del Noce and bringing Del Noce's thought to an English-speaking audience. Dr. Lancelotti, thank you for joining us on the Bridge Builder program today, and thank you for your work in translating Del Noce. Thank you for having me. God bless your work. Thanks again. And we'll be back in a moment with our mailbag segment. Welcome back to The Bridge Builder, where we help you connect your Catholic faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and now it's time to delve into our mailbag segment here on The Bridge Builder, where we take your comments and questions about the work of the Church in the public arena. Kit, what have you got for today? Yeah, so now that the legislative session is getting underway, a lot of listeners are wondering how to make their voices heard in person at the Capitol. A lot of times throughout session, there are a lot of different groups who come to the Capitol. You'll often see rallies on the news. They're advocating for various causes. So in the coming weeks, we're going to be highlighting some of these various advocacy days on the Hill. Jason, could you highlight for our listeners one of these first upcoming days on the Hill? Sure. Days on the Hill are a way in which organizations bring together their members around a particular legislative agenda and do so in a way to show the breadth of support and uh, strengthen numbers and at the same time highlight for legislators that uh, a particular set of issues and bringing a bunch of people to the Capitol on the on one day and talking to legislators at the same time can have a real impact in terms of making your message stick. It'll be certain that legislators will start talking about those things as they pass each other, as they comment. Um, oh, everyone's wearing a sticker or a badge. Oh, it's uh, Catholic Day on the Hill or um, the Steelworkers Day on the Hill or Optimate optometrist day on the hill or something like that and every day during session there's at least four or five of these things it seems like uh, going on so they're an important way for groups and organizations to get together and share their work the minnesota catholic conference we do our own big day on the hill every two years called catholics at the capitol some of our listeners may have attended and that will return in april 2021 what we do in the off years is highlight the days on the hill of our affiliated or partner organizations and then we do our own Capital 101 events as well. And you can find out more about those on our website, mncatholic.org slash podcast. But we did want to highlight one upcoming one right away uh, for our listeners, and that's February 19th. That's Second Chance Day on the Hill. And the Minnesota Catholic Conference, we are a partner with the Minnesota Second Chance Coalition, 
which advocates for policies that enable those who've been punished for crimes to have meaningful opportunities to reintegrate into that community. We think that after you've served your time of incarceration, that that criminal the criminal justice system system should be more than just about punishment, although that's an important component too. It should also be about rehabilitation, restoration, and reconciliation and reintegrating people into the community so that they can rebuild their lives. Sadly, in many instances, people who have criminal records who are trying to rebuild their lives are stuck by what are called collateral consequences of that criminal conviction. It's harder for them to get jobs, harder for them to get housing, access to education. They rack up fees and fines related to uh, penalties because of poverty, and that's called the criminalization of poverty. So the Minnesota Second Chance Coalition works hard to give people second chances to limit the impact of collateral consequences so they can build their lives. And it's a theme that Pope Francis has very much highlighted in his speeches and writings about the church's social ministry. So on February 19th, Second Chance, Minnesota Second Chance Day on the Hill, Minnesota Catholic Conference, we are a sponsor. You can go to mnsecondchance.org for more information and register. Again, that's February 19th at 10 a.m. Some of the legislative issues that You'll hear about that day, reducing the impact of fees and fines from traffic and low-level criminal violations. Again, these things rack up over time, and if you can't pay them, you have your license suspended, which then makes it harder for you to get to work, et cetera, et cetera. Talking about probation reform, Minnesota incarcerates fewer people, but then as a result on the other end, imposes many, many years of probation in some instances on nonviolent offenses. So what would it mean to cap that perhaps at five years like our Sentencing Guidelines Commission has done so that people can then beyond, move beyond that after a period of probation and then rebuild their lives? And finally, an issue that Minnesota Catholic Conference has worked for many years on is restoring the vote to those who've served their prison time. Our belief is that once you're out of prison and you're out in the community working, paying taxes, trying to rebuild your life, you should have a say in the important decisions that impact your community and have the ability to vote. So not if you're in prison, but once you've come out of a prison or an incarceration context, restoring the ability to vote. Again, more information about Second Chance Day on the Hill, minnesotasecondchance.org, mnsecondchance.org, and that's February 19th at 10 a.m. Wonderful. Thank you, Jason. And as the show implies, we are the bridge builder. We're always talking about ways for people to start building the bridge between faith and public life and how to become a better disciple in the public arena. So what have you got? Some practical tips in this week's Bricklayer segment. The legislative session begins February 11th, so it's the perfect time to start following what is happening on various bills of interest at the Capitol. We have one of the very best legislative websites that allows access to all kinds of information, and we at the Minnesota Catholic Conference make it even easier for you to follow what's going on through our bill tracker. There are thousands of bills introduced each session, and it's really difficult to keep track of all of them. That's why Minnesota Catholic Conference highlights a few bills of particular interest across the spectrum of issues that Catholic social teaching engages, and it allows you to click on those to follow where they are in the legislative process, and then through our Action Center, take action on key pieces of legislation. Go to mncatholic.org slash action center and click on bills. There you'll find dozens of bills categorized in areas such as health care, religious freedom, education, marriage and family, migration, life and bioethics, and economic justice. You can see directly on the bill tracker where the Catholic Conference supports or opposes each of these key bills and why, of course, plus see where lawmakers have signed on to those bills in support. 
And that's another way if that legislator is your legislator, you can find out what he or she is supporting or opposing, if they're supporting or opposing any of those bills. And then you can communicate with him or her about what they should do. Should they take their name off a bill that's not good for human dignity and the common good? Or should they be supporting something that they're not already supporting? You can also sign up to receive email alerts about key issues that are taking place at the Capitol and being heard in committees or getting floor votes. Oftentimes we might know what the important bills are, but we don't know when to speak. And the Catholic Advocacy Network makes it much easier to take action during session. Again, visiting mncatholic.org slash action center and signing up for the Catholic Advocacy Network enables you to easily connect with your legislators on key issues at the right time. That's all the time we have for today on The Bridge Builder. Remember, you or your organization can become a sponsor of The Bridge Builder. By doing so, you will help others bring the Catholic faith into public life. For opportunities, contact Kit at show at mncatholic.org. Again, that's show at mncatholic.org. Listeners, remember that you can be a part of our mailbag segment. Just send any of your questions or comments to show at mncatholic.org or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Then tune in next week to find out if we include your question or comment. And remember, you can catch up on any past episodes online at mncatholic.org slash podcast or search for The Bridge Builder on your favorite podcast app, such as iTunes. Thanks for tuning in today to The Bridge Builder. We'll be back again next week with another great guest, more of your comments and questions, and a new way for you to build bridges between faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins of the Minnesota Catholic Conference and our producer, Kit Cross. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.